It's good to be here with you this morning at this Lord's Day, all the way from Limerick. You know, when I was going for the microphone, where I come from, going around the country taking meetings, they don't like to see me going for a microphone. They say you're loud enough without it. But it's very important that we hear the Word of God. It's very important that we hear what God is saying to us from his word. I keep going back to my young days when I was growing up. And I can remember in the area of Newport in County Tipperary, you'd meet someone from another part of the area and they'd look at you and they'd say, are you the by the Nugents? Are you young Nugent? Are you the by the Nugents? And many different people, they'd say, oh, I know your father. I know your mother. I know your family. Don't ye live in such and such a place? And this was common when I was growing up. There was never an occasion where they asked me that question or someone asked me that question and I didn't know who I was. I knew my name. I knew where I came from. I always knew my father and my mother. I had never any difficulty. Now, school was a different matter altogether and I won't say anything about that because I... There was a lot of things in school that I didn't know about. But thank God, you don't have to be good at school to get to heaven. To get to heaven, you do have to be saved. In preparing for this meeting, a few words came to my mind. And I believe that God puts his word into our minds. But my experience has often been that he can put words from the scripture into your mind. And you may not know exactly where they're from. But that excites me because I have to go looking then. And when I find it, then I know that this is from the Lord. And the words that came to my mind, which I want to share with you today, in this place, at this time, are the following. They're found in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 13, and it's verse 5. I'm going to give you the words first before I read the six verses. No ye not your own selves. Know ye not, do ye not know your own selves? That's what Paul said to the Corinthian believers, the very last chapter of the second book of Corinthians. I'm going to read chapter 13, the following verses. Paul speaking says, this is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time and being absent now I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again I will not spare. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me which to you word is not weak but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. I want you to listen very, very carefully to the following words in verse 5, please, because I believe this message is for people here today. I don't believe that God makes mistakes. Verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 13 says, Examine 
yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Examine yourselves and to see whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. Do ye not know your own selves? Now, if I went around to every car here today, individually, one by one, and I said, what's your name? I know that I would probably be told in every single car the name of the person I asked whose name. And I'd say, where are you from? And they'd say, where are you from? They'd tell me where I was from. And I would be glad to say, but my name is Jerry Nugent, and I come from Ardnacrusha in County Clare, just outside Limerick City. So there'd be no problem whatsoever in communicating that information, because I take it everybody here today knows their name and knows where they're from and knows their family. But Paul says an interesting thing to these Corinthians who profess to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, examine yourself. He said, prove your own self. He said, know ye not your own self. Do you not know your own self? Now, there's nobody here has a problem with knowing who they are, I take it, this morning. But there is a big question to ask, and it's this. Do you know who you are in relation to God? Do you know where you're at in relation to God? Do you know today for certain whether you can say 100% without a doubt that you are a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I know and I've met many people and they say, yeah, I'm saved 40 years. I can remember the day I was saved and I thank God for the day I was saved and so on. But are you walking with God today? Are you in a living fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ today? When you got up this morning, what was your priority? What was your priority when you got up this morning? Let me tell you that when I went to bed last night, before I went to bed last night, my priority was meeting with God. And my priority was going to bed that God would give me the grace to get up and meet with him before I met with men today. The priority in my life, by the grace of God, is being in fellowship with God and any, any son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important in my life by the grace of God than knowing Jesus Christ and living for and walking with him. It's the most important thing in my life before business, before family, before any other interests, by the grace of God. That's an interesting thing to say. Paul, he was speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Six times he says, know ye not. Know ye not, which means do you not know. In verse 19 he says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. In other words, 
You don't belong to yourself. I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. That's if I claim to be a Christian. That's part and parcel of being a Christian is I am not my own. I belong to God. I am God's property because he paid for me. Verse 20 explains, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. If you're a Christian, professing Christian, and living Christian, and factual day-by-day Christian, you will be encouraged by God's word this morning. You'll be challenged and you'll be blessed and you'll be encouraged. But if you're a person that gets up in the morning and doesn't bother spending time with God and doesn't bother spending time in the word of God because you were saved 40 years ago, you will not be happy with what I'm saying this morning because we are called to live for God. We are called to serve God. Three days ago, I was down by the River Shannon doing a gospel video that we've been doing a little bit longer than you've been doing your drive-ins. And God opened up the door every time to bless those gospel videos. There are many, many people, many unsafe people looking forward to those videos every weekend. And God is speaking to people through the videos. Why? Because it's the gospel. It's the plain gospel. It's the simple gospel. And Jesus Christ is the center of the gospel, the gospel message. But when I was going home after the outreach, I saw two young people drinking at the corner of my eye. And the minute I saw them, I knew that God wanted me to speak to them. Absolutely 100% certain. For as many as they are the children of God and are led by the Spirit of God, they are His. If you claim to be a Christian, you will be led and directed, prompted, guided by God the Holy Spirit and there will be nothing unusual about it. It will be part and parcel of your life if you really are a Christian. So of course, every time the flesh prompts, the, the, the spirit prompts, the old flesh crawls. Paul said, I find that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And that's the way it is when God wants us to do something. So I drove through the junction and I did not want to stop because I'd done my gospel video. I was finished doing what I was supposed to do. But wasn't there a parking space on my right where there never is a parking space? And I passed it. But there was a second parking space. And I went back and I told the two people whose lives are ruined by drink, ruined by sin. I said, God spoke to me to come back and talk to ye. And I want to tell you about Jesus and his love and how he changed my life. You see, friend, if you're sitting in your car or Jeep today and you really are saved, you'll want others to be saved. You'll want others to be saved. Could you picture a situation where a boat is sinking and you're pulled into the lifeboat and you're so thankful, thank God. Would you say to the person manning the lifeboat, that's it, take me home now. How would you feel about others who would be flapping their arms, drowning in the sea of sin? How would you feel about others? Would you not want them to be saved as well? That's a brother of mine 
who is walking with God many, many years, said, there is something drastically wrong with someone who says they're a Christian and does not have a burden for the lost. Do you have a burden for the lost? Let me tell you today, if you're not praying, you don't have any burden at all. You're asleep. You're badly backslidden if you really are saved. If you're not in spending time in prayer, if you're not in the Word of God, you are definitely, most definitely, the highest compliment I can give you today is that you're backslidden. I don't care when you were saved, what dramatic story you have to tell. Are you in the Word of God now? Are you in the place of prayer now? You won't have to be asked to go to a prayer meeting. If you're praying yourself, you'll want to be there. You'll want to be in the presence of God because it's the powerhouse. It's the place where things happen. It's the place where God moves from. It mightn't be easy to get there because the flesh doesn't like to pray. And we have to crucify the flesh and we have to die to ourselves and we have to go by the grace of God. I remember going up to Bell Turbot one morning to do an outreach straight up from my home. And I had a good brother helping me. He was a godly man. And after the outreach, I was absolutely exhausted. Exhausted. And his dear mother, who's also a godly woman, had a lovely room and an ensuite for me up the stairs. Get an hour's sleep or so, and you'll be right for the road to head back down home again. And by the grace of God, didn't I fall at the back of the, the double bed? And there was a lovely double bed. And was I looking forward to getting into it? And I just went down on my knees. Well, I couldn't have been revived if you'd put the jump leads on me from the battery of the car. I was totally revived one hour in the presence of God. Why don't we pray? What's wrong with us that we're not praying? We're either backslidden or we're not saved at all. You see, when I started off by saying, I knew who I was when the neighbours asked me, are you the boy of the Nugents? I am. And is Richard your brother? He is. And Georgina and Deirdre, they're your sisters. That's right. I knew who I was. But do you know who you are today as a, as a Christian? As someone who says you're a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian. And in that case you're saying, well, you need to hear about the cross. You need to hear about Jesus dying on the cross suffering in your place, pouring out his precious blood, being nailed in that, that tree so that you could be forgiven, so that you could go to heaven. It doesn't matter whether you climb a mountain. It doesn't matter whether you're the Church of Ireland or whether you're the Protestant Church or the Catholic Church or any other church or Mickey Mouse's church. You'll never get to heaven by a church. You see, the Word of God says, neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is in a name. Salvation is in a person. Salvation is in Christ alone. You need Jesus if you want to go to heaven. Wouldn't it be an awful thing if you're sitting here today and you're not saved and you go out that gate and you turn right or left and you're on your way to hell? Wouldn't it be an awful thing hearing the words of a preacher in hell Knowing that salvation is free. It's free, it's not cheap. It costs Jesus everything. But it's free. And the reason it's free 
is because we could never pay for it. We could never pay a deposit for a molecule of the blood of Jesus Christ. We couldn't do anything towards our salvation. There's nobody good. There's nobody righteous. There's nobody that understands. And there's none that seeks God. We can only seek God as enabled by God, as drawn by God. But if you're here today sitting in your car and you are a Christian, what gear are you in? What gear are you in? Are you just going to another drive-in meeting and you can go home and sit down and say, I was at my meeting this morning. Is that what it's all about? Or have you a burden? Have you a longing to know more of God? Have you a desire to get closer to God? Paul said, know you not your own selves. <coughs> the sobering and challenging thing about this this morning is that God knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows every, from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what our desires. He knows our imaginations. He knows what we're going to do. He knows what we do in certain circumstances. He knows everything about us. So if we know that he knows that, we need to get real with God. We need to be honest with God. We need to be truthful with God. And David, God's servant, found that out the hard way. If you look at David's prayer to God and his confession in Psalm 51, you won't get a more honest prayer. You won't get a more upfront prayer and a cry to God as you'll find in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O Lord, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly, thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Are you in second gear today? Are you really genuinely a child of God? You cannot lose your salvation, but you can lose the joy of it. David lost the joy of his salvation. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Imagine going up to your local city, in my case to be Limerick, and saying, hi guys, I'm at the fellowship door. I'm not going to come in. I know I'm responsible for the death of 70,000 people in the city. I know it's all my fault, but I've repented. I've come back to God. Would they throw your arms around you? Would they say, we're so glad you're back, brother? Such is the power of God's forgiveness. Such is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all sins. And I know there are people that genuinely think there's something you've done in the past. There's something you're responsible for. And there's something that happened and you feel that you're to blame for it. And you're thinking God can forgive you. God can forgive you. And God wants to forgive you. And God will forgive you if you'll ask him. If you'll ask him. David said, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We're all at the very best of ourselves, 
dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. That's what the Word of God says. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. Now, what's commendable about filthy rags? What would you do with a filthy rag? You'd dispose of it. You'd get rid of it. You'd burn it. All our righteousness of ourselves, in ourselves, by ourselves, apart from God, are as filthy rags. And yet Jesus says, come unto me. God is calling us to come to him. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter where you've been. God is able to save <coughs> to the uttermost. Someone said it well when he said, from the uttermost to the guttermost, Jesus saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. He is able to save. Nobody else is able to save. Jesus is able to save. But what about the Christian in second gear? You know, you, you don't have to go back to the pub and make a fool of yourself and maybe the things that you used to do, but you can be going to the meetings and you can be far from God in your heart. That's an awful place to be. That's an awful existence to have because you're not fulfilling God's plan and will for your life. You're not enjoying what God has for you. You're not experiencing the blessing of the Lord. What does the Bible say about the blessing of the Lord? The blessing of the Lord, it make it rich. And he added no sorrow to, to it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Where's the joy of the Lord? There's a lad that comes on us, with us in the outreaches, and his name is Pat. And I often joke about him, and I don't mean disres disrespectfully. I said if we were in an outreach up in the country, in Donegal or somewhere, and we're coming home, and if it's late at night, I said, if the headlights go on our car, all I have to do is put Pat in the bonnet. Because he's lit up for God. He's lit up. He's shining for God. He's on fire for God. And when he's witnessing to people, it's easy for him. Because they're totally disarmed by the light of Christ that they see in this brother. He's all out for God. He wouldn't be anywhere else in the world. He wouldn't be involved in anything else. He loves to go on the outreaches. He loves to go supporting the gospel video outreaches. Where are you at if you're a Christian today? What's the story with you today? Are you going through the motions? Are you ticking the boxes? Are you partaking of the activities of the church? But where is your heart? You see, Jesus is coming back and we're saying it and we're saying it and we're saying it. But he is coming back. And at any moment he could break the clouds. What is he going to find you and me doing? Are we going to be up to our neck in our own business? Our own enterprises? Our own activities? Is that what we're going to be doing? Or will he find us up to our neck in the will of God? What a joy it would be. What a blessing it would be that Jesus would come and we're in the center of his will. He wants for us to be in the center of his will. I thank God as an evangelist, I don't care what people think about me. I couldn't care less what people think. Because if I did, I wouldn't be involved in evangelism. One man in Traperstown, four years on the trot, roared at me from a height when I went to his door. And my wife said to me the last time, she said, you're not going back to him again, are you? And I went back again. And this time, I went twice in the one day. 
And before he started raving and ranting the second time, he said, I said to him, just one minute now, please. All I want is for you to go to heaven. Have you got a problem with that? Is there something wrong with that? All I want is for you to go to heaven. And I'll tell you, he wasn't able to say anything. I was at his house the other day, and he was delighted to see me. Mind you, it did help when I gave him the apple tart as well. He was delighted to see me. God is merciful. And if you've received mercy, Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. Who have you shown mercy to recently? Who have you reached out to? Who have you gone out of your way to meet? The person that God has put in your heart and you're afraid to go to them. Oh Lord, I'd go to someone else, but not him and not her. Oh, not them. Because I remember what they said years ago. When God puts it on your heart to go to someone, to witness to someone, to pray for someone, to reach out to someone, it'll be good if you do what God says. You'll be blessed if you obey God. No, you're not your own selves. Paul said, a strange thing to say, do you not know yourselves? God knows us. God knows us. And over the years as a Christian, I pray different prayers to when I was first saved. I don't pray that the Lord would keep me from hypocrisy. I pray, Lord, deliver me from being a hypocrite. Deliver me from being a hypocrite. I don't say, keep me from that hypocrisy over there. I say, deliver me from being a hypocrite. Take it out of my heart, Lord. Give me a desire to go on with you. Give me an appreciation. And if you're listening today, maybe one or two of these prayers would help you. Give me appreciation for what you did on the cross for me. The price you paid, the suffering, the shame. It says this, he despised the shame. Why does it say that? Because God despised the shame. Jesus despised the shame. So can we not go true for God? Can we not go on with God? And I'm saying this with the bottom of my heart. And I, God is a witness. He knows my heart. I got up this morning in belly money and I'd have preferred to have driven home. Straight home I'd like to have gone. But if there's a chance that there's one person here today that's not satisfied being in second or third gear, and if there's a chance that there's a person here today that doesn't fully understand this Christianity, but there's something missing in your life, you're in the right place today. This is the right place for you today to get right with God. To ask Jesus to save you. And not to listen to the lies of the devil about what happened in the past. Bring your past to Jesus. Bring your past to the blood of Jesus. He'll give you a brand new start. He'll give you a new life starting from today. If you'll come to him, seven words will get you into heaven. Less. Seven words got one man into heaven. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus told the story. And he said about that man at the back of the temple with his head bowed. And he smite in his breast. That man, this man, went down to his house justified. I pray today that as you go out that gate, you'll be able to say, I'm going home justified. I'm going home justified today. You may have come in justified, but maybe you need a, remember, a reminder. Maybe you need a little bit of a shake-up 
or a push. You need to remember again what God has done for you. And I'll tell you, if you do remember, and if you do appreciate more, you will tell others. You will share it with others. (coughs) You will not keep it to yourself. You'll not hide it. You'll not just come in amongst the Christians and say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, turn off the switch now, go out the gate, and revert back to the same old life as though you might as well not be saved at all. That doesn't speak to me of salvation. That's not salvation. That's not real salvation. Jesus says, by your, their fruits you shall know them. I mean, if you bought an apple tree, the whole purpose of the apple tree would be to have apples. If you had it for three or four years and you had visitors and you were showing off your garden and you said, there's my apple tree, the first thing that they'd look for is apples. No apples, no good, no use. And Jesus is looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit in our lives. The fruit proves the root. The fruit proves where we're at. The fruit tells the truth about where we are in God. Know ye not your own self. Are you willing to come to God? Are you willing to say, Lord, search me, O God, and know my thoughts? Are you willing to say, see if there be a wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting? Are you willing to do that today, to ask God to search you? Are you willing to go home and say, I'm going to set aside time today. I'm going to get into the presence of God no matter how I feel. I'm going to shut the door. I'm going to sit down. And all these thoughts are going to flood my mind. But if I wait, God will come. And God will meet with me. And God will bless me. And if I'm backslidden, he'll restore me. Because he's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He wants to bring back to himself. He wants us to experience his love. And his joy. And his blessing day by day. What kind of Christians are we? If we're just in the lifeboat. And others are drowning in their sin. What kind of Christians are we if we don't care about the plight of others that are lost and dead in their sin? That's not Christianity. If you spend any time in prayer, you have to have a desire. You have to have a care for your own family members and the lost all around you. Like that couple in Limerick, destroyed by drink, destroyed by the demon drink. And I thank God with all my heart by his grace that I went back because I know that God can save them. Why do I know? Because he sent me to them. He cares for them. There are hundreds of thousands of people in this island waiting for somebody to tell them the gospel message. Hundreds of thousands of people. I'm meeting people in remote areas. They've never heard the gospel. They've never been told about being saved by grace. They've never heard about the gift of eternal life. They've been lied to. They've been deceived by the devil. And the Christians are passing their door, going to the church, singing the latest hymns. Singing the latest hymns. You see, God knows you and he knows me. And he knows everything about us. And what makes me very, very afraid, you read the parable of the ten virgins. The five virgins, they had the vessels, but they had no oil in their lamps. And they went to buy the oil and they came back. What did they say? 
Lord, Lord, open to us. And the thing that strikes me about that statement of the five virgins was they expected to get in. They thought they had a right to get in. And he said, I never knew you. I know you're not. And this is why we need to know. And Paul says, know ye not your own selves. It is better for you to discover today that you thought you were saved and are not saved. And get it sorted today and don't leave it another moment. Than for you to be in that position like the five virgins were. And for Jesus to say, I know you not. Or in another place he says, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's not about people going around saying, I know Jesus. The most important thing is, does Jesus know me? Does Jesus know you? And I ask you today, I, I haven't come empty-handed. I have a, a little leaflet printed, and it's laminated, and there's one for every single car. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're a Christian, you read that leaflet front and back and give it to an unsaved person. Give the leaflet to an unsaved person. And if there's 35 cars here today, that means 35 unsaved people are going to get a gospel tract. They have a chance of turning to the Lord. There's a story on that tract which is a real story about a man who was dying of cancer. And he had the cancer in his palate, in his mouth. He was in agony. And I sat in his house 26 or 7 years ago, and I didn't know what to say to him. I said under my breath, I said, Oh God, what can I say to this man? And this is what I said. I said, Richard, and the curtains were pulled because the, the light was affecting him. And he was drinking his morphine. And his little children were in the front room. And they couldn't go into the back room and sit on their dad's knee. They couldn't play with their dad. He wasn't able. He wasn't able to cope with the noise or any inter interference or interruption. He was only 42. And I said, Richard, if Jesus Christ walked in that door right now, what would you ask him? And Richard said, with his cancer in his palate, he said, I'd ask him to forgive me my sins. I was absolutely shocked. I was shocked when he said that. Here was a man that wanted to get right with God. His priority was getting right with God. If you're here today, and I don't know your name, but God does, and he knows all about you. And if you're backslidden, come back to the Lord. Come back to the Lord Jesus. Are you confident in meeting him? Are you happy to face God today? Come back to the Lord. It doesn't matter what has happened, what has thrown you off, but it's your own fault. Come back to the Lord. If you're here today and you're not saved, come to Jesus and ask him to save you. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Should the thief in the cross, he didn't say those words. What did he say? He was the only one that stood up for Jesus. He was the only one that spoke up for Jesus. And nailed to the cross beside Jesus, hands and feet, God the Father revealed the identity of his blessed Son on the center cross. And he said, Lord, remember me. 
Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did Jesus say? Today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Where are you going as you go out that door? Is it so that everybody going home today is going to heaven? Or is it true that there's people going out that gate today and they're going to hell? And you're nearer hell than you were yesterday. Why would you go to that awful place when Jesus wants to save you? Why would you go to that awful place when he has a brand new life for you? I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is the life giver. He's the joy giver. He's the only one that can change our night today. He can take away our sadness. He can heal a broken heart. I went up to Donegal some time ago and I was visiting the mothers of uh, young lads that were killed in a single crash. And I was thinking, what am I going to say to them? What can I say to them? Could I say to them, I know how you feel. I couldn't say that to them. But this is what I said. I said, God gave me a message for you. Sitting in the house where I saw a father who couldn't physically speak. And a mother who had a miss. And she was broken hearted. I said, I want you to know that the Bible says he healed the broken in heart and he binded up their wounds. Jesus can heal a broken heart. Jesus can make it better. Jesus can change it around if you let him, if you'll ask him. No, you're not your own selves. Wouldn't it be wonderful going home today? I go home tonight, God willing, by the grace of God, after the second meeting. That's if Bertie hasn't something else lined on without telling me. But anyway, but I'm going home tonight by the grace of God. And the one thing that will fill my care is the knowledge that God is with me, that Jesus is my Savior, that I can look to him. And I live by the grace of God to get into his holy presence and to come before him and bring every care and every burden. There's nothing he cannot do. We read in the Bible the words that says, he is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within you. And there's no power of God working within you if you've the foot off the pedal of prayer. If you're neglecting the word of God, if you're neglecting time with God, you know nothing about the power of God. But if you come into his presence, you'll see him working. You'll see him doing amazing things, wonderful things. Oh, a mighty revival may come in our day. A Holy Ghost revival where men and women will turn to Jesus and cry out, what must I do to be saved? God has to act if God's people pray. God is bound to act if his people will pray. And he wants to come. He wants to bless. He wants to encourage. I suppose we'd be here all day if the people before me were sharing the situations in their own family. Desperate situations. Desperate needs. I could do the same myself. But we have a saviour. If he is your saviour. And he's able to turn it around. He's able to save. He's able to heal. He's able to restore the backslider. He's able to forgive. He's able to renew. He's able to touch us. He's able to lift us up when we're down. He's a wonderful saviour. 
If you're a Christian and you've walked with God and you're walking with God today, was there ever a time when he failed you? Was there ever a time when you could say, Lord, you let me down? There never will be a time. We let him down every day. We come short of his glory, but he faileth not. He will never fail us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is ever faithful. He is ever true. He will never break his word. But you will never know that if you don't know his word, if you're not in his word. Have you been in his word today? And if you got out of your bed and just got into the car, will you go home and open up the word of God? Will you spend some time in the presence of God? Give some time. Start with, start with a half an hour. Start if you're able to spend an hour. And then say, right, I'm going to keep doing that. And now I'm going to spend another bit of time. And I'm going to read the word of God. And I'm going to pray for someone else other than myself and my own family. And God will transform and change your life completely. God will bless you in ways you never thought possible. And if you're here today and you're not saved, don't go out that gate. Even if you have to block the traffic. Don't go out that gate, pull your vehicle aside and say, I want to get saved today. I want to get right with God today. Have you been born again? Or do you look at that term as though, I don't like the term born again. Where did it come from? It came from Jesus. Jesus says, except a man be born again. Unless a man is born again. He says, he shall not see the kingdom of God. He shall not enter the kingdom of God. If you're not definitely 100% born again, you will not go to heaven. You will not see God's heaven. You must be born again. And when Jesus said it to Nicodemus, he didn't say you must be born again. He said ye must be born again. Everybody has to be born again to get into heaven. And the person who's truly born again is rejoicing and praising God. I thank God I'm born again. I thank God I'm saved by grace. A dirty, un un unworthy uh, sinner of the worst description. And God washed me in the blood of his son. And Jesus is my savior and my best friend. And I can talk to him at any time of the day. I have access into his presence at any moment of the day. And I have his word, the Bible, forever settled in heaven. He'll never change. The word of God will never change. Thank God I don't need a computer tablet. I have the book and the book is fine for me. Praise his holy name. What will you do? Know ye not your own selves. Will you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you come afresh if you're backslidden? If you're not in prayer, you're backslidden. I can tell you that here now. You can come up to me afterwards and have an argument with me. I have time for any argument here today. You can argue with me if you want. You're backslidden. If you're not in prayer, if you're not spending private time in prayer, you're backslidden. And if you're not backslidden, you're deceived and you're not saved at all. You've just got some dose of religion. If you're not spending time in God's presence, if you're not spending time in the Word of God, and I can tell you this, if you are walking with God, you will not be keeping it to yourself. You will not be unconcerned about those all around you. There's enough people here today to cause a revival if they were on fire for God and far less. It was said of the disciples, these are they which have turned the world upside down. They were on fire for God. God was their whole agenda. God was everything. The gospel. What happened when they were beaten? It's amazing. You read the book of Acts. 
They were after getting the beaten. The first thing they did after they were beaten was they went and preached the gospel again. They were obsessed with the preaching of the gospel. They were on fire for God. And that springs from an appreciation of God. That it springs from an appreciation of who God is. Jesus went all the way for you and for me. He paid the full price. He held nothing back. And when he sweated drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane, and the disciples were asleep, I've no stones to throw. That's where we'd be, fast asleep. Jesus prayed through in the garden of Gethsemane. And though being in agony, he sweat great drops of blood to the falling to the ground and prayed, Lord, if it's, Lord, not my will. If it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I thank God this morning here in the boy, out the Lifeboat Fellowship, I thank God this morning that Jesus prayed those words, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He prayed those words so that you could be saved, so that you could go to heaven. I heard people saying they can't wait for the coming of Jesus. Well, there's one or two possibilities in that situation. That person has lived 100% all out for God, and that may be so. Or else they don't see the need all around them. Because for me today, I hope that Jesus doesn't come today because of the people all around us that are heading into hell. God, give us eyes to see what Jesus went through on Calvary's cross, how he suffered in agony, how he was battered and bruised and spat at and that mocking crown of thorns upon his sacred head, beaten on his head with a reed by wicked men, sinners, Jesus died for those who put him on the cross. And we were represented at Calvary in the height of our sin. All our sins was put upon his sacred body and he died for you and for me. It was our fault. God isn't asking us to do some great thing. He's only asking us to say sorry. Wouldn't it be an awful thing to go to hell because we weren't able to say sorry? And if we even use our natural understanding, we have to say this morning, it wasn't fair what happened to Jesus on Calvary's cross. But God gave him up to die so that we could be saved. And I pray with all my heart that someone in this meeting today will be touched. I pray with all my heart that you just go home and forget about your stupid schedule. Your stupid schedule. And get into your room and get out the word of God and say, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to pray. I know a Christian woman and she's not long saved. And she prays for about 600 people. She prays and prays and prays and prays. But I can tell you something. When you're going up and down the country and you're involved in frontline evangelism, you can feel the power of prayer. You can nearly touch it. You can feel the authority that comes because somebody is praying. And people are praying for this meeting today. People are praying that God will bless. People are praying that, praying that God will bless his word. And I pray with all my heart that somebody will go home today and be able to testify, I went to that meeting in the boy. I went to that meeting and my life was changed. 
It would be a great meeting. Oh, glory to God. It would be well worthwhile. It would be a wonderful thing. But wouldn't it be great if everybody here today received something, something lasting from God in their life? If you're backslidden, come back to the Lord. Don't mess around with God. You'll face him soon enough. Get right with him. Start living for him. Start witnessing. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart. I, I printed a, a message and I laminated it and I'm giving it to every single car and you're entitled not to take it. But I'm asking you that if you take that leaflet today going out of here, I'm asking you to give it to an unsafe person. Yes, read it and so on. It's no good up in your mantelpiece and it's no good inside and you're used in your Bible as a Bible mark. Give it to an unsafe person. And if you don't know who to give it to, let me tell you what to do. Say, Lord, I want you to show me who to give that to. Lead me to the person to give it to. And this will be a good meeting today. We not only have come and heard the word of God sitting in our cars, we've took something from there and we're giving it to others. We're reaching out to the lost. And as was said earlier on about the prayer meeting, it's not an unreasonable request. Try and make it to one. Try and make it to one. I want to thank you for listening. I didn't pick that word myself this morning. Know ye not your own selves. Not in a million years would I have thought of those words. And I had to look for them. And I went through all the Corinthians. And boys was in the last chapter on the last page. So it didn't do me any harm. And I found those words. Know ye not your own selves. Can you go home today and say I know who I am. I know whom I believe in. I know whom I'm trusting. I know where I'm going. I know that I can trust my salvation to the blessed Savior who died on Calvary's cross and gloriously rose on that third day and he's coming back in the clouds. But my heart's prayer is, Lord, could you wait another little while? Please, Lord, could you just hold off another little while and we'd reach out to precious souls lost and dead in sin. You can be on fire for God. We can be on fire for God. Pray for me and God grant that you'll be really blessed and go into your home today. I ask you, get out the word of God. The devil will take the word from you before you get a half mile down the road. If you don't determine, I'm going to do something now. I'm going to act upon this. I'm going to take action in relation to this. I'm going home today and I'm getting out my Bible. I know I have to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to get out my Bible and I'm going to spend time in the presence of the one who died on a cross to save me from going to hell. May God bless you today. Thank you for listening and coming. Please don't go before you get the, the I call it an invitation or a tract or whatever. Uh, thank Brother Bertie for having me and, uh, and the prayers as well. People have been praying and may God bless you. You're really privileged here today if you will take heed to God's word and if you'll take it to heart. And may God encourage you. Thank you for listening. Amen. Just pray. And even as you're in your car now, if God has spoken to you, let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege to look again on the blessed Lord Jesus and the Word of God. Lord, your servant Paul, who loved with all his heart those Corinthian believers. Lord, who put everything, every ounce of energy into their well-being for God, to be in a right place with God. 
We thank you for this facility here today to share the Word of God. And Lord, it hasn't gone unnoticed that you gave us a really nice day as well. And we thank you for that. We acknowledge that, Lord. We praise your name. We ask that you bless your Word. And we pray that no devil will rob the Word of God today. We pray that you bless these tracts that have been given out. And we pray that there'll be stories in heaven, Lord, of people who will have read them and turned to Christ. We pray that those who would take them and give them out would be greatly encouraged because there's a great encouragement in serving the Lord, reaching out to the lost. Lord, if there's anyone here in this place that's backslidden, there's no one else but Jesus who can restore the backslider. Draw them back, we pray. Lord, help them even in that care today now to say, I'm sorry, Lord, I've wasted many precious years, but now I'm coming home. Lord, bring them back. Restore unto them the years that the locusts have eaten. And if there's someone here today, Lord, that isn't truly saved, maybe they realize I'm not saved. I'm not right with God. I'm not born again. I'm not ready to meet God. I have no, no righteousness except my filthy rags. Lord, have mercy. Lord, save. Lord, wash in that precious blood. Lord, bless those who have come here today and as they go home to their homes. Lord, help them to get into the closet and pray, get into the Word of God and spend time with you. Lord, it would be the greatest day in their lives after salvation, the day of getting to the place of prayer. We ask these things. We give you thanks. Lord, we owe you, we owe you so much praise. We're behind in praising you, Lord. We owe you praise today. The Word of God says, let everything that is breath praise the Lord. So we praise you and thank you, our glorious God. Our God made the heavens, and he has done whatsoever he has pleased. Lord, will you bless us now as we part in Jesus' precious and lovely name. Amen.